I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, but also getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. You can find the link to our playlist in the show notes. Welcome to episode 82. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Asher Jeffries. The Brisbane singer-songwriter is soon to release her debut EP, entitled The Pinnacle, which is out next week. In today's episode, we're talking with Asher about her single Crybaby, our first gigs, and we debate the ranking of Lord's discography. Here we go. Our guest today is a singer-songwriter from Brisbane, Australia. After having released brilliant singles this year, such as Crybaby and Dance Floor, she's now releasing her debut EP next week, entitled The Pinnacle. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Asha Jeffries. Good morning. Good morning. How are we today? Um, I'm good. I'm only just having my first coffee, um, but it, it tastes pretty good. How are you going? <laughs> I'm very well, thank you. I might have had one or two more than my first already today, but, um, you know, uh, just trying to get into the day. <laughs> so fair, so fair. Uh, firstly, I wanted. I wanted <laughs> first I wanted to chat about Crybaby. It is a it is a hit. I'm calling it a hit. In my opinion, <laughs> it's a fantastic song. Um, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I really feel like I was thinking about the inner Taylor Swift in me when I was writing it. <laughs> so that means a lot. Thank you. I can I can see tiny little sprinklings of tea swizz in there. That makes sense. Yeah, I, can, I get that. Yeah, just like those kind of like country overtones. Um, I don't know, just the kind of melody that a a tea swizz would write. <laughs> Where did the initial catalyst for the song come from? Because I think it. it please correct me if I got this wrong. There was a. Uh, a breakup that was then not a breakup. Correct. Correct. Yes. Um, so it was like probably around this time last year um, and I'd been writing some songs in the studio with my friend Aiden Hogg, um, like, you know, off and on kind of writing with him. Um, and the way we were doing it was going into the studio and um, just kind of laying down a soundscape to the song um so I guess one time we went in and I was kind of very flustered and like very in shock of like going through a kind of like on a break thing um with my partner at the time and we went into the studio 
um, and like laid down some chords and like a structure for the song. And I walked out feeling very unfulfilled. Like I, I was just like, Oh, that session sucked. Like I have no idea like how to write about this. Um, and I, yeah, it just felt so underwhelming. And then I came home. Um, and then that night I wrote like the chorus for cry baby. And then it was just like, wow, this is, this is the song now. We just can do all the rest for it. (laughs) That's very cool. Um, when you are kind of trapped under like a bit of writer's block or whatever it may be, when you do find like those hurdles with getting out the right melody, the right lyrical run, whatever it may be, like how do you usually approach trying to fix that or just like move past it? I think something that especially helps me in the last like year of so many phases of writer's block were um, like drones, just like one string of noises, just like hovering all the time. And so like when even I didn't feel like writing, I would like put on like a drone noise, kind of just like ambient music um, and it'd just be playing in the background. And so I felt like it kind of like flicked on a light to like subconscious creativity, like in the back of my head. And so I was able to kind of like, I don't know, almost like move into a world of what that song was from where the drone was. Um, And then I think like another thing that I really found helpful was writing as if no one is going to hear it because I feel like that has been like the biggest part of my (laughs) creativity block is like, oh, like someone else is going to hear this. Like, what are they going to think? Like, I have to make it better. Like, it has to be different. So, um, yeah, I think just writing as if it's solely for me means that, like, I connect with it so much and then I can just, I can share it with other people um, and keep, yeah, reconnecting with myself while doing that. Yeah, of course. I find the the idea of the drone technique really interesting because would you find that maybe you'd try that technique have like four or five songs and then depending on the ambient music or the drone like all the songs are either in the same key or have like a connecting feature between them or yeah it it was very easy for them to sound all the same (laughs) um so I did make it (laughs) I did make a big like um I guess kind of decision to yeah make drones in like different keys and then like the best thing about the drones is that I found that it really like made me think outside of like normal chord structures um and it also like made me sing in keys with the same chords that I wouldn't normally um so it really just like stretched out like the space of like where am I singing where is the melody and like yeah, where is the space that we're singing in? Yeah, I can imagine it would kind of not test you, but like it would like push push the boundaries slightly when when you're trying to create and and do that. These um these songs. So we are speaking to you a week before the EP comes out. The Pinnacle. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Of course, we um, were, were very lucky enough to have a little bit of a sneak peek um, 
at the AP, which is fantastic. I will touch on that in a second. Um, the, the, the songs themselves, there is like a bit of a change, not a change in sound, but like, I'm curious whether the drone technique kind of remade, sorry, not remade, made you rethink like sonically what your songs sound like. It absolutely did. Like my whole entire like process to writing changed. Um, I was so used to writing songs on guitar and, and it was such a quick process for me. Like I just do it and then I'd have all these songs and then I'd go into the studio with a band and then we'd record them. But this, like the songs for the EP, the process was so different. Like it was such a slow and building and like thoughtful kind of thing. We were like constructing these songs very slowly. Um, and really like, I think the biggest journey for me was kind of opening up my eyes into the production of the songs and like the drone really enabled me to like, it's kind of like I walked into a room where the song was playing, like the drone, like just really like opened up what was happening. Yeah. Um, so, and, and even just the process of going into a studio and writing the song from there changed the whole entire experience so much. And it was something that like, I've never really been um, into as much, but I think it really like pushed me and challenged me to think about writing in a different way. Yeah, of course. Of course. I can imagine that. Yeah. It would have that kind of effect on you. (laughs) Um, As we said, the EP is incredible. I think my personal favorite is big expectations. I thought that was a fantastic song. True. I'm so glad you like it. Yeah. Yeah. The AP is fantastic. Um, the, uh, it it has been, I guess, a long time in the works. I think 18 months or so you've been working on the EP. What, what is it like? I know it's coming out next week, but how are you feeling ahead of the, the birth of this, (laughs) this musical child? Um, yeah, I'm feeling really nervous, but also really excited. Um, yeah, I I think mostly just like the growing that has happened in the last 18 months to like get to this point where like I didn't even know if I was if I wanted to like release music again. Like it just felt like such a big um thing to do and so getting to this point now where it's like a week before the EP comes out um is is crazy. Um and it's also really funny like being able to move on from the phase of like when I was writing these songs and like, you know, I feel like I'm moving into a different phase of my life and it always happens when you release music. Like you, you write about something that you're going through and then it takes so long and then you release it and then you can release it looking back at um, what you've been through and you feel, you feel wiser and you feel like you've grown from it. Yeah. hundred percent. It's something that I imagine. Do you, uh, find yourself when you are kind of having to well, like promote the EP, release the EP eventually in Australia, hopefully tour the EP, um, that it's an interesting thing to continually have to revisit these emotions and these scenarios that you previously were in? Yeah, absolutely. It, it's something that I never really fully thought about until I started doing it. But being a songwriter, you're kind of like capturing an emotion 
and then you're playing it on stage, you're talking about it, you're posting about it online. Like you're like totally just again and again and again um, reverberating the emotion that you once felt, Um, (laughs) which I think can also be like super, super healing. Um, But there have definitely been some songs that I've written and then I was playing them live a whole bunch when like, you know, playing live a whole bunch was a thing. Um, (laughs) And it, it just got to a point where it was, it was way too much um, to sing these songs. Like I just, I just had way too much um, like a strong emotion associated with it that I, I couldn't share it with people and had, it took me time to um, be able to have like the right amount of distance from the song. Um, yeah. Like especially a song called Break that I released earlier in the year. Um, that's just like a side, side single, not on the EP but it's, it's a song that I really needed space from before I could properly like talk about it um, and like release it. Yeah, of course. The, one of the singles off the EP dance floor um, is another gorgeous track. It gives me um, Sharon Van Etten around the time of like her, are we there yet era, the second or third album um, kind of vibes that does deal with like mental health and, and that kind of stuff. I imagine that writing a song like that and having those experiences that we just discussed is, do you ever kind of go into it being like, shit, I'm going to have to sing about this (laughs) time and time again? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think a dance floor is such a song about like depression and then like all the stigma around depression and then like, not knowing how to talk about it, not knowing how to like express it. Cause like feeling suppressed and having suppressed emotions is such like a yucky feeling, um, that like so many normal things would help express like, um, being creative and dancing and, and all these things. Um, so yeah, I think, I think over time, like having the right, relationship with it like being able to like tap into those emotions and have it be um healing instead of like it being uh like it putting you down when you're playing it um is like a really tricky kind of thing to balance yeah of course when when you're writing do you ever find any apprehension in i guess Oh, maybe not even apprehension, but like any censorship within yourself that's thinking that you're going to have to revisit them. And, and I guess, do you ever look at changing things due to having to, you know, continually have these reliving these emotions or having them? Yeah. Yeah. I think like I do subconsciously like censor some things, um, but something that I've kind of really been trying to train myself to do is like just write for the sake of like journaling, like do it as if like it's like a diary entry, do it for myself. And even if it's like a, a song that I write, that's like so, so personal and like maybe like, like, you know, shouldn't it, like it should be censored at least like that puts those emotions on a platter for me to digest and then like write a different song about that has like, um, you know, similar emotions, but not 
as intense. But I also think that like when I write super, super personal songs, they're always my favorites and they're always the ones that I like, I want to talk about and show people because it's like, Hey, this is a part of me that I feel like you might connect with. And it's just like, it's that scary. Um, yeah, it's that scary thing of being vulnerable enough to like, Hey, this is how I feel. Do you feel like this too? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, of course. It's, I imagine it's a very scary feeling, like a very, it's a, you're showing a part of yourself, really. It's also like super exhilarating though. It's, um, it's a bit of both. It's so fun. <laughs> it's like a scary rush. With your songwriting technique, I believe, and I could be wrong, you've been songwriting since around the age of like 12 or 13. Yeah, have. Have, how long did it find you to kind of take, uh, find like a technique that worked for you? And as you said, like that you get to a point where those are your favorite that you write. How long did it take to find like um, ways that you're happy to write and things that you're happy to share with, with people? Mm. I feel like when I was 11 and 12, like the minute I started writing songs, Cause wait, let's like back up a bit. When I was like, before, before I was 11 and 12, like younger, I was like a total diva, total superstar. Like mm-hmm. I just wanted to perform for everybody. Like I just wanted, like anyone would come over to the house. I'd sit them down on the couch and I'd like put on a dancing, acting, singing performance for them. <laughs> like I just wanted the spotlight so badly. Um, And so I think when I started learning guitar, when I was like, you know, 10 or 11, and then naturally just kind of started writing songs, it it was, it was such a performative thing. It was such like a, um, I need to show everyone because I've done this. Um, so that's a really, a really funny, funny part of, yeah, just writing songs and then, and showing anyone them. Um, but I, you know, and then I think like, as I started becoming a teenager, there was like that awkward, like, oh my God, like, do I feel this way? Should I write about it? Like that, like that doubt and that fear around, um, all the crazy things that go on when you're a teenager. Um, but I think like my writing changed quite a bit. It became more like angsty 
and it became like a lot of swear words in them. And um, <laughs> I just wanted to really like provoke people. <laughs> um, and then I think since kind of growing out of this like teenagehood angsty phase, it's so much been about like, instead of an outward expression, like instead of it being like, Hey, this is a song I wrote it. The writing process for me is so much more about um, like, this is how I'm feeling and this is how I dealt with it. it it's so much like a, of an internal process now that like the reward isn't necessarily showing people, but it's just like part of the reward. Um, and it's, and you know, it's only been in like the last 18 months that I have started writing with other people, um, and sharing that experience because it's always just been me on a guitar, kind of just like singing melodies and lyrics. Was the sound that, um, you were going for always kind of like a singer songwritery vibe? Cause at 10 and 11, I can imagine that the influences might've been slightly uh, different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I loved Hannah Montana and like Hilary Duff <laughs> and like that has always been an influence. Um, Nothing wrong with but either of them. When I was, I think I was like 11. Yes. Oh, exactly. When I was about 11, um, my dad took me to the Woodford Folk Festival, um, which is like, you know, like an hour out of Brisbane where we're from. Um and like my mind was like so blown away. We saw Kate Miller Heike and John Butler Trio. And it was like the first time that I saw, I saw them as like real life people. Like they weren't celebrities. They were just like, you know, like Australian people um, who were like so powerful and connecting to an audience. And so I think that's when my love and passion for folk music and um, this real like authentic uh, singer songwriter thing kind of just bloomed. Um, and yeah, I just fell in love with the guitar and being able to say whatever I wanted to. Yeah, of course. I can imagine it's an incredibly, um, powerful thing to kind of see around that age and almost like a glass shattering moment. Totally. When, what was your first live show? Uh, oh, um, my first live show was, uh, it was 1997 and it was, uh, Savage Garden's first album tour. Oh, true. Where was it? Uh, in, we used to live in Sydney. So it was, um, at the city entertainment center. I think it's called something else now, but it was as, as a, yeah, like a young kid, I think it was like 10 or so. And it was just like mind blowing to see. Um, well, both, cause the nice thing, and I will always defend Savage Garden, not to, <laughs> um, you know, um, is that one was a musician, one was the songwriter. It was nice to see that both kind of like did their thing and were able to do their thing, like perform, be like confident and, you know, a little bit of, uh, dramatics in it, but also the other, like the musicality and playing everything. And it was just, yeah. Anyway, enough about me and Savage Garden. <laughs> No, incredible. I'm so glad. Yeah, Savage Garden. Amazing. <laughs> uh, Asha, speaking of of live shows, you were lucky enough to be able to start and, to my knowledge, complete a tour this year. 
I when I, you took Crybaby on the road. I did. You're so right. We did miss Sydney. Um, Sydney went into like a little restriction zone. But yes, I I toured in May, which is crazy. It's a crazy sentence to even be thinking of saying this year that you finished a tour bar Sydney. What were those shows like and what was it kind of like after last year being able to get out and play shows and and see people? Yeah, I had changed so much. Like I had became such an introverted, inward hermit shell. So going on tour really freaked me out. Um, Like it, it, it took a lot of just like, outward energy and confidence um to do it because it's it's so scary like going to another city and not knowing if people are going to come and see you play and um just like you know so much effort and energy um but it like it was just so rewarding and so beautiful um and it was so like connecting like just yeah it made me realize like oh okay like I I play music and people listen and I play live shows and this is what happens. Like it just like reminded me of like something that was so um, usual and it made me, made me so grateful for for touring and live performing. Um, But I especially loved going over to Western Australia because I love it so much there. And it's just like such a great community of creatives and we stayed there for a week and did some like traveling and exploring. It was awesome. That's cool. That's, I think it's in this day and age, like it's those little things that you're able to do that I imagine feel quite special. Um, And it is, did you find any difference in your audience um, when you came back only because I feel that in the last year or so, even before our interview today, like the name uh, Asha has been appearing on posters and in blogs, you know, on the radio. I feel like your your persona is getting more and more star power, more Hannah Montana as each week goes by. Um, (laughs) Have you found that? (laughs) That's honestly like the nicest thing that anyone has ever said to me. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad we could. Um, well, I, I stand by it. I will stand by both. Crybaby's a hit, and you're becoming Hannah Montana. Um, yeah, we found that some people went into lockdown the first time around with a small fan base audience, and then once they reemerged and toured, that they were playing venues bigger than they thought, um, due to people, you know, finding, discovering you. Uh, in lockdown and in these times, was there any kind of, um, yeah, did, did you find that with any of the gigs you played? Um, I'm not really sure. Like my perspective of um, me connecting with the audience in Australia is like I I felt like I was doing a lot um, like pre-COVID and then when COVID hit, I just like I totally just went offline um, and uh, like as I said, like became a hermit. Like I just really didn't connect a lot um, with people online just because it felt so confusing and like with not having a lot of like physical face-to-face interactions, like online interactions with people I didn't know, like just felt like it didn't make sense. Um, but... I think like this year and kind of like re like I felt like I've, I've reemerged um, just, yeah. 
in terms of um, playing and and what I'm releasing and stuff like that, I think that yeah, that has definitely been like a, a difference in um, in crowds, um, and it's going to be super interesting to to play those shows and how different everyone is like everyone's like a little bit awkward and like pretty excited (laughs) and like just like the energy is so different like it feels like such a special experience so um yeah it really like has changed um from COVID but I think it's like made everyone so grateful and yeah it's for live music 100% I think that there's yeah there's a certain um electricity in the air almost as you said like it is a little bit more sacred in a way that like you're able to be at this show and it's exciting and everything else so yeah actually usually um we would ask i guess what they're currently listening to is there anything at the moment any album any single whatever it may be um that is currently getting a, a thorough spin on your record player streaming service whatever it may be Yes. Um, so I am loving Lord's Solar Power. I feel like that's quite a, like a controversial um, thing in my community at the moment um, <laughs> of people. Like, some people, some of my friends like, really aren't vibing it and I've had to like really sit them down and like co- like convince them that uh, this new Solar Power record is just like incredible. Um, just great hot girl summer vibes that I'm so here for. Um I've also really been loving like Nari. She just released a record. Um, I think it's called three and the first song on it is called three and is incredible. It's like so beautiful and sad. Um, do you want one more? Should I give you one more? Have I given you one It's totally up to you. Yeah. Yeah. We can, um, I'm (laughs) curious. It is slightly controversial, with solar power only because I feel that everyone's initial take was that it was, it wasn't bad. It wasn't great. It was just, it just was. But I think, Oh my God, I'm such a big Lord supporter. I think that (laughs) she wanted it that way. You know, like she'd had like two big records that like changed the whole entire pop industry. She just like wanted to like chill and like do some things that were like kind of a bit, spicy um she like she chilled out a little bit which i really respect i i can definitely agree with that i think um what is it i initially took that stance that it just was and then i have come around to it that it um it is it is a really solid record it's not you can't go in expecting melodrama part two but um like dominoes and big star great songs it's a really good record Great, great sad songs. What is your take on it? Like, are you have you been a Lord, big Lord fan? Um, I yeah, I, I I like Lord. Um, what was the first album? I'm gonna. That's embarrassing. Uh, Pure Heroin. That one was okay. Melodrama. I thought was a classic. Um, and this one, yeah, it it's pretty good. I think. Wait, you, you, you have thought to, that like, Pure Heroin was okay. <laughs> Yes. Really? I, he says Why? sheepishly. It was it was good. I felt that <laughs> Oh. I, it was good. 
How I old were you? Feel... How old were you when Pure Heroin came out? What year was that? Twenty. You know what? Give me one second. Let's... I think it was like twenty thirteen. Twenty thirteen. I would have been around twenty six. Oh, okay. Okay. No, I, I get it. I feel like pure heroin is it's such a time for when you're like fourteen to twenty, um, and it's it's just like wow, Lord understands me. Um, I get that. I th- I think that was maybe it. Like I can appreciate the musicality of it, the 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 lyrics of production, the perspective that she's giving on. Um, on that time, but I think, yeah, to you've hit the nail on the head is that there might have been like a connection thing that like I am not a teenage girl who can recognise these things. And um, But, yeah, Melodrama I thought was a classic. That album just was huge, huge. It was huge. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, I, yes, I think more people should come around to solar power. I think that there is a bit of a misunderstanding. Reset your expectations, come back into it. It is a really good record. It is. Yeah. And she does some really funny stuff on there. Um, that is a bit questionable. Like mood ring is such a questionable song. Um, but I'm into it. It's very (laughs) like Lily Allen, the fear vibes, which I like. Oh, okay. Okay. Interesting. I can kind of see that now. I wouldn't have maybe got there myself, but I would, would agree with that. You know, like it's like parody pop music. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Asha, um, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you for being on the podcast and congratulations on The Pinnacle, which is out next week. Uh, we look very, uh, we, we're looking very much, we're very much looking forward to it coming out. <laughs> thank you so much for having me it was um really nice talking and um just talking about my passion for lord and that's our show a massive thank you to asha for her time the pinnacle is out next week and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to stream her music or pre-save the ep we also want to give a huge shout out to elise at anthologies for helping out with today's interview You can find a link to our Spotify playlist in the show notes, where you'll be able to listen to all of our guests' picks. If you like this show, please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released. We release new shows each Thursday and Friday morning, with guest playlists streaming on Spotify at the same time. You can follow the playlist profile on Spotify. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.